As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. You're listening to Me and Paranormal You with your host, Ryan Singer. It's more fun to believe. Third third year year bonus. Good afternoon, good morning, good evening. Uh, This is Ryan Singer. Thank you for listening to another third year bonus content of Me and Paranormal You. Uh, I'm very excited to be, you know, just alive and bringing more information to you that you may already know, or maybe you don't, or maybe you need. If you're like me, you need to brush up on things constantly, all the time, just to have any recollection in your mind of these things. And some of these things I'm going to tell you that maybe you have forgotten, or maybe a previous manis- <laughs> a previous manifestation of yourself once knew, and uh, now you are being reminded in this go-around. Now, whether you want to talk about reincarnation or not, I, I, I think it is interesting to understand the universe as a whole, uh, and then trying to understand our place in it isn't that what we're all trying to do we're all just trying to figure out what is everything what is what even i guess you could even shorten that question to what question mark and then what is and then what is my what is my place okay we get it we can just keep going just throw a question mark after every word in that sentence you could break it down these are the big questions of existence these are the big questions of life And we dive into these things on a regular weekly basis here on the program. I like calling it a program. It's a mind cast. It's a podcast. It's whatever you want it to be. You, there was a, there's a great Wilco song. Oh gosh. It's off Sky Blue Sky. Is that the name of the album? And it talks about, no, okay. Before, before I tell you the quote, I want you to know that, you know, I'm not, I'm not postulating that this is art, what we're doing here or what I'm doing here, but. Once you create a piece of art and then release it into the world, into the wild, it is no longer yours. It is now everyone's. 
So you can call this thing whatever you want, and I'm totally on board with that. It is a beautiful day in Southern California. It is hot, and I like it hot because that means the lizards are out. And you know what? Maybe I'm a lizard. Maybe I'm not a lizard. But I love the heat. I love being hot. So having said that, we're going to talk about um, one of the things that comes up all the time. Uh, We're going to talk about esoteric wisdom, or Western esoteric wisdom, ancient knowledge. Uh, Just kind of like, um, you know, we're going to kind of canvas this idea here, because uh, I have a great conversation coming up this Friday uh, with Ralph White, who, what a fun talk. And it was a Skype talk, and I think the quality is going to be fine and very listenable, but it's obviously... Uh, better to have conversations in person when I can control the equipment, but all that good stuff or whatever. It's good. It's uh, wow. That guy. Oh, you should check out the open center in New York city. If you live there, if you're visiting there, oh man, he's getting ready to go on his esoteric quest. He does about once uh, a year, once every two years, you know, searching for ancient wisdom. Oh man. What a cool dude. I hope to get a chance to meet him when I'm in New York City soon. Well, I'll keep you posted about that. It'll be great to have a, uh, a face-to-face conversation and, you know, hopefully with the microphones there as well. If you haven't already, uh, I, can not, I, I can't suggest uh, strongly enough to get Jeweled Highway, his book, his memoir. He is one of the forefathers of the esoteric or the holistic movement in the world. Uh, let alone this country. So uh, so I figured we would do a little bit of background on esoteric wisdom before that conversation came out, uh, sort of as a primer. And as you know, every once in a while, I like to find some good poetry uh, that ties in. And, you know, all you have to do is Google esoteric poetry, and some good stuff is going to come up. Uh, some familiar names, which I'm going to stay away, like T.S. Eliot, uh, William Yates. I'm not going to read one of those today. I'm going to do the Sufi poet Hafiz, I believe. Uh, I hope I'm saying that correctly. And the number seven comes up quite a bit when you're doing all this, uh, when you're looking into all this stuff. So therefore, I'm going to go to uh, number seven from Hafiz. From the garden of heaven, a western breeze blows through the leaves of my garden of earth. With a love like a hurry, I'll take mine ease. And wine, bring me wine, the giver of mirth. Today the beggar may boast him a king. His banqueting hall is the ripening field. In his tent the shadow that soft clouds fling. A tale of April the meadows unfold. Ah, foolish, for future credit to slave and to leave the cash of the present untold. Build a fort with wine where thy heart may brave the assault of the world when thy fortress falls. The relentless victor shall knead from thy dust the bricks that repair its crumbling walls. Trust not the word of that foe in the night. Shall the lamp of the synagogue lend its flame to set thy monastic torches alight? Drunken am I, Yet place not my name in the book of doom, nor pass judgment on it. Who knows what the secret finger of fate upon his own white forehead has writ? And when the spirit of Hafiz has fled, follow his bier with a tribute of sighs. Through the ocean of sin has closed o'er his head, he may find a place in God's paradise. 
interesting, poetic, beautiful, all that stuff. Esoteric, indeed. What does esoteric mean? Well, if you go to the definition, basically you're going to get, you're going to be, uh, you're going to read that it's, it's kind of hidden information. It's, uh, it's not intended for the masses, or at least the masses don't have access to it, uh, or they have chosen not to have access to it. It is intended for a small group of people. Many years ago, I was doing a comedy show in Dayton, Ohio, and I was doing a guest spot on on a show. And there was a there was a headliner, and uh, he's unfortunately no longer with us. Ron Ramey, very funny man. I do a guest spot, and uh, I come off stage, and I'm in the green room, and he just looks at me and he says, "Man, you your comedy is esoteric." And I was like, oh, I didn't know what the word meant at the time. And I, I thought it was a compliment. <laughs> I went home and I looked up the word and I was like, oh, wait, I'm not sure he was, I'm not sure he was complimenting me. Um, maybe I'm sure he probably was in his own kind of way. Anyway, moving on from that. Um, so I've always been interested in uh, things of the esoteric world ever since that happened, of course, because, you know, it's it's very me-centric, okay? So, uh, you know, I was my interest was sparked because someone said that to me and called me esoteric. Uh, you know, the hidden meanings and symbolism of various philosophical, historical, and religious texts may also refer to information understood by a small group, like I said, which is kept secret for larger groups. So, when it comes to the ancient wisdom of the past, many people are going to uh, hypothesize on the internet, whether you want to call them conspiracy theorists or not, that the select group of people who are kind of controlling everything, whoever they are, um, even though we can put many faces to those, to the, to that pronoun they nowadays, I would imagine, uh, you know, we can we can kind of assume, uh, at least from that point of view that they have all this ancient wisdom that they're using to, you know, create their power and maintain their power and therefore subjugate us as a group of people to use us for, for their needs to create their cycle of power that they hope to keep, and depending on who you ask even further, inside their pure bloodlines. Okay, now we're not going to get into that because that's not what I'm interested in here today. I'm not going to say... That, that stuff isn't interesting to me because, of course, it is. Who doesn't want to know potentially who's controlling them? I certainly would like to know that if, in fact, someone was in charge of me in a way that I was unaware, I'd probably want to know. But we're not going to deal with that. We're going to talk about the idea that this esoteric wisdom is available and it is plentiful and it is free if you have an internet connection. So I guess it's not free. I guess you can go to the library. Uh, and you can find all of these books and all of these things that, that will contain within their pages the secrets of the universe and unlock the mysteries of who we are as potentially spiritual, uh, supernatural beings that are maybe evolving still uh, on, this, on, this, on this planet. I, I would like to think, I used to think when I was younger that once we became aware of evolution that it stopped, much like a you watch a, a, you know, a boiling pot will never boil, or a, a pot of whatever, 
pot of water on the never, a watched pot will never boil. That's a boiling pot will never boil. I mean, it's boiling. So it's, how can it never boil if it's boiling? Well, I mean, I guess then you get into the question of if, if linear time. Okay. So from there, we have all of these things and these are the foundations and many of these symbols, which we'll get into some of those as well, uh, are pervasive through, through all the world's religions. And is there a secret ancient wisdom um, in secret only because we haven't sought it out to know it at this time. Much like a tree, uh, a beautiful maple tree in a forest of redwoods would be a secret tree until you stumbled upon it. And then it is up to you if you want to go back and visit that tree at your leisure. So let's get into some of this stuff here that is, you know quite possibly framing the existence of our experience or the experience of our existence. I probably should have said it like that. There are so many things here and there are so many things that uh, are awesome and there are so many things that I don't understand. But it is interesting if you go through a, a timeline of philosophical thought, uh, religion, and belief systems, you kind of get to what some people don't like the phrase new age movement but um i guess you could say we could we could rather call it the holistic movement that is uh you know happening all around us today you know all the vegetarian and vegan restaurants the the um, holistic healing centers trying to move away from pharmaceutical drugs and doing other more natural uh more homeopathic uh, treatments that take into consideration the entirety of the body, which ties in to one of the seven universal laws of the universe, uh, the divine seven. Uh, I'm not exactly sure that most people consider them the same thing, but all of this ties in together. Uh, the theory of relativity, uh, you know, law, cause and effect, all these things are going to come into play here in the, uh, in the history of the evolution of philosophical thought which led to Western esotericism, okay? Uh, I'm probably saying that. It sounds like I'm saying terrorism. Esotericism. Esotericism? Okay, whatever. You, I mean, I'm 40. I guess there's just some things I'm, I'm just going to stumble upon late in life uh, when they come out of my mouth. So whether you want to go from uh, antiquity uh, where, you know, Hermitism, Gnosticism, Neoplatonism, all these schools developed, uh, you know, from Christianity, uh, distinct from mainstream Christianity, uh, you know, in Renaissance Europe, uh, you know, all these old ideas started becoming revitalized and then incorporated into the current uh, dominant ideological beliefs that were, that were kind of, you know, very prevalent in those times for these people. I, it has its roots in esotericism, has its roots in, uh, in Europe in the late 17th century. And so then through the next couple hundred years, you know, you can get into the Age of Enlightenment comes, uh, you know, and then you have the Rosicrucianism, you have Freemasonry, and then into the 19th century, you saw the emergence of, of new esoteric thought. Uh, and a lot of this was uh, considered to be occultism. Now, uh, you know, and then you have the birth of the, uh, the Theosophical Society, uh, which then leads to the Hermetic Order of the Golden Dawn, which then gives birth to Thelema, and then you have modern paganism. Uh, you know, that also developed within occultism, uh, and then 
from there springs Wicca, okay? And so then from there, the counterculture of the 1960s kind of really gets a hold of all this stuff. And now you've got free love, you've got hippies, you've got all kinds of stuff, you've got Wiccans, you've got people doing magic, you've got people smoking marijuana, doing psychedelic drugs, trying to expand their consciousness. And then you have the New Age movement of the 70s. And then you have the uh, holistic movement, uh, esotericism emerging, you know, as the umbrella of a lot of this. But then even more specific nowadays in the year 2016 here we are go to the new life consciousness expo out at lax once a year and you can see the 150 different vendors of people purporting that they have the person who's dialed into the one or the source or the ascended masters or the aliens on saturn who are telling you uh, who can cure you or things like this. You have all of this stuff happening, right? And so now trying to figure out which, which of these things we can latch on to, uh, if you want to phrase it that way, which of these things makes sense to us. The idea of, you know, the concept of Western esoteric knowledge is that there is this I think it's called perennialism, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, Perennial philosophy uh, is a perspective in the philosophy of religion, a philosophy of religion, which views each of the world's religious traditions as sharing this single universal truth, okay, on which the foundation of all the religious knowledge and doctrine has grown. So there is... There's a what's the documentary? Gosh, I wish, I wish I could remember it. There's so many on Netflix, um, where they have all these different uh, religious leaders, all different types of, whatever brand of religion you're into, and they are all saying at the heart of it, there is something we all share, and that points directly to this perennial philosophy, perennialism. So, where is the truth? You know, that's good. That's all That's all nice to know. But where is the truth? Is it somewhere in the middle? Oh, I don't even know where the middle is when it comes to some of this stuff. Um, the, the academic study of Western esotericism, it, it's only emerged in the late, uh, the late, later part of the 20th century. Okay, there's a guy, Francis Yates and Favre. Or am I saying, God, I should have took French. Um but anyway, the point is that there, there currently, as I speak these words into this microphone device, there are several uh, peer-reviewed journalists, uh, journals. Excuse me. There are university chairs at schools across the country and the world, academic societies devoted to this field. So, what are these truths, and what are they giving to the people who know them? Are they giving them an advantage in life? I'd like to think of life as a series of stages, and maybe it's rebirths or maybe it's transitions. You know, we're a baby, and then we're born into the world, and then we die, and then what happens? Maybe this whole evolution of self, of, of person, of consciousness is never-ending, until some people would argue that it becomes 
you reach the top. You become this ascended master. And Jesus is probably the best example of the different stages that many people would consider to be uh, involved in the existence of, of whatever this means to be a human being. Okay, the birth, the baptism, you know, the, the going around, the spreading of, of the word, uh, spreading of the information, you know, the, you know, the crucifixion, and then, you know, the resurrection, and then eventually the coming back again. So, many people on, the, on YouTube especially are going to tell you they got the answers. Uh, you know, I say, you know, go, go have some fun, snoop around, figure it out yourself. But I think understanding and attaining ancient esoteric wisdom uh, truly can help you reach contentment by unlocking your intuition. Now, this is one of the things I buy into that they are talking about, or that is that is it's written about here. Uh, when it comes to understanding the world around us and understanding our place and becoming attuned to the moment of now and the energies that we that we process and the energies that we exert, I think your intuition, your deep seated knowledge that is there already. This is what we're talking about as far as being esoteric. Some people will say it's not kept from the masses. It's, just, it's not hidden from the masses. It's inner knowledge as opposed to outer knowledge, which is a pretty cool concept if you ask me. Um, I do dig that. I like that a lot. Um, you know, you can get into lots of different branches of this and you can go off and find your own way. Um, but when it comes to the foundation of esoteric wisdom, you have, uh, you know, so much to learn. And there's symbology, uh, allegedly, that's hidden, that's hidden. And it's not even allegedly. I guess it is right there in front of our faces when it comes to it's in religions. It's in government. It's in companies' logos. And, you know, it's in pop culture. You're hearing a lot about this with the Madonna halftime thing, Beyonce. Your, you know, the Illuminati, all of this stuff, you know, the symbology. Now it seems to be popping up everywhere. Oh, this person is doing, did the Illuminati sign with their hands on Instagram? So is this stuff becoming more widespread and more available to everyone because of the internet and Instagram and, you know, photo sharing and video sharing? Uh, you know, who knows? Um, if you go to zazenlife.com, which is an interesting kind of like blog, um, you know, the... Uh, the, the username is Ascended Master uh, with an A on the end, which is interesting. Uh, maybe Master was already... Ta I, I, I don't know. I'm not trying to... I'm not going to make any judgments here. These truths are centered around freeing yourself from the shackles of material bondage and experiencing your true nature as a divine being. Esoteric is a word that has been used in many different ways, but ultimately refers to a form of philosophy and knowledge which is taught to a select group of people. So, you now can teach yourself this knowledge. Let's get into some of the seven laws of the universe. Seven universal laws, which are considered to be in their nature esoteric. Uh, they are implemented in many of the esoteric uh, websites and teachings. People will talk about that with slight variations. Uh, you have the law of mentalism, uh, which is immutable. The first of the seven universal laws that tells us the all is mind, the universe is mental. That everything we see and experience in our physical world has its origin in the invisible 
mental realm. It tells us that there is a single universal consciousness, which is the universal mind, from which all things manifest. All energy and matter at all levels is created by and is subordinate to the omnipresent universal mind. Your mind is part of the universal mind. The same in kind with the only difference being one of degree. Your reality is a manifestation of your mind. Let's consider this for a moment. When it comes to manifestation, I just read something very interesting that sometimes manifestation takes some time for the germination period. Now, if you're like me, it's you live your life like everything's a Sam's Club. You know, you just want it in bulk, right? I'm living my life like Alabama's hit song in the, er the early mid-90s. I'm in a hurry to get things done. I rush and rush until life's no fun. Now, I'm not saying my life is no fun because my life is indeed quite fun. But every once in a while, I was reading this book last night, and I just had to tell myself, like, hey, dude, slow down. Have you ever done that? Have you ever been reading a book, and you're just like, okay, let's go, let's go. How many more pages left in this? Let's get this done, baby. It's like, okay, just, just read the book. I'll tell you what the book is later. It's not that it's embarrassing what the book is. But there is a little bit of shame attached to what that book is. I'll tell you that. That's a, that's a, that's a tease. That's a teaser. It's a cliffhanger. So all energy and matter at all levels is created by and is subordinate to the omnipresent universal mind. Answers to it. The universal mind is in control. The one in charge. If in, this is interesting because someone just sent me some um, uh, a guy's name who I needed to research, uh, which is uh, is a guy who's out there talking about how the computer simulation, artificial intelligence, all this kind of thing that that you know we might be headed towards singularity uh, is impossible because uh, consciousness, universal consciousness, has primacy over everything now. I have just started reading this stuff, and quite frankly, the materials that he's written are beyond my initial scope of understanding when it comes to just reading them. I need, it's one of these thick reads, if you know what I'm talking about, the heavy, thick reads, where you just have to read the same sentence like 12 times and then get a dictionary out. Let's move on to some of the other uh, universal laws. But it is, an interesting, to, uh, it is interesting to think about. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm open to all of this stuff. The law of correspondence, also immutable. The second of the seven universal laws tells us, as above, so below, so below, or as below, so above. I just read where that originally came from, and I, I can't remember. Oh, my mind. My mind. That means, uh, basically, that there is harmony, agreement, and correspondence between the physical, mental, and spiritual realms. There is no separation, since everything in the universe, including you, originates from the one source. So here we're getting the one source, which, uh, whether it's uh, Neoplatonic or not, uh, he talks about the one uh, when it comes to uh, Neoplatonism. Neo Neo okay. Too many syllables. The same pattern is expressed on all planes of existence, from the smallest electron to the largest star. All is one. Uh, the ancient Greek temple of Apollo at Delphi was, was referring to this great law of correspondence in the, in the in inscription, excuse me, 
Know thyself, and thou shalt know all the mysteries of the gods and the universe. Now, this kind of ties in also in my mind to the to the theory of the holographic universe, which is a great book written by Michael Talbot. Uh, universe rest his soul as well. That the smallest part of the whole contains all the information of the whole. So in that way, if you know thyself, and we can consider ourself, uh, for the sake of this discussion, the smallest part of this collective universe. If the holographic universe is true, and if this law of correspondence is true, knowing thyself uh, shall know all, all the rest. So it makes sense in my brain when I frame it like that. The law of vibration, immutable. The third of the seven universal laws tells us nothing rests, everything moves, everything vibrates. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. conditions apply. See website for details. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The third and last of the immutable universal laws. The whole universe is but a vibration. Science has confirmed that everything in the universe, including you, is pure energy vibrating at different frequencies. Now, this also is going to get into, you know, we are just, um, we are experiencing everything subjectively through our, through our own lens, even though we are still part of the whole. Because I love, I do love thinking about that. I used to get really mad about all the people taking selfies all the time. I was like, oh, man, I mean, I guess if we're all connected, every photo's a selfie. And that made me get over it. Um, like energy attracts like energy. That's the law of attraction. Um, has its foundation in this law, according to this website, mind-your-reality.com. Everything that we experience with our five physical senses is conveyed through vibrations. The same applies to the mental realm. Your thoughts are vibrations. All your emotions are vibrations. Unconditional love is the highest and most subtle of the emotional vibrations. And hate is the densest and most base. You can learn to control your mental vibrations at will. This is thought power. I think that's what a lot of us are trying to do. It's like, you know, change your mind, make a choice in how you will think. I choose every day to try to be positive. You know, what is it going to be a milkshake or is it going to be a glass of whiskey? That's the decision you make every day. Usually, 
I mean, at my age, I shouldn't be having either one. You know, maybe I need to throw a third option in there. Not everything has to be black or white, maybe. Maybe there's some gray area. Maybe smoothie in the middle, veggie fruit smoothie. Maybe put that in the middle. Maybe give myself an option so it doesn't have to be um, milkshake or whiskey. Obviously, I'm exaggerating for effect, but you know. Okay, the fourth law, the law of polarity. This is mutable. Everything is dual. Everything has poles. Everything has its pair of opposites. Uh, opposites are identical in nature, but different in degree. There are, there are two sides to everything. Uh, I mean, I think when it comes to experiences or arguments or even uh, love affairs, say you're taking a lover. Say you've just recently took a lover. I really enjoy saying that. I've been told not to say that because it's creepy. But it's not coming from a creepy place. Or, you know, maybe it is. Maybe I just have this, like, inherent creepiness. Regardless, when you're 40 and single and you've never been married and you don't have any kids, I guess you get a little creep rubbed onto you just by default. People are just going to kind of, you know, you know, project a little bit of creep onto you. Um. There are two sides to every story. I think that's true. Maybe the truth is somewhere in the middle. I, I don't know. Things that appear as opposites are, in fact, only two extremes of the same thing. Uh, heat and cold may appear to be opposites at first glance, but in truth they are simply varying degrees of the same thing, which uh, would be temperature. I'm going to try to do a thought experiment here. Let's try to, let's try to play this out a little bit. Uh, I didn't write anything down about this. I probably should have. Before I, before I go off on this tangent that could end up going nowhere. So hot and cold, opposites, two different temperatures, but they are both uh, a temperature. Okay, so let's say, oh, milkshake and whiskey. They seem in my mind as opposites, one representing good and one representing bad, both very enjoyable, um, but they're both liquids. Okay. Okay, we did it. Okay, I'm going to uh, I'm going to spare you and I'm going to move on. The law of rhythm, which is mutable. The fifth of the seven universal laws. Everything flows out and in, everything has its tides, all things rise and fall. Uh the pendulum swing manifests in everything. I think we uh are most of us are are very aware of the cyclical nature of life and of um you know, even relationships or uh state of mind. There's a there's an old saying that I heard many, many years ago that I've just gone on repeating for many, many years without, you know, very distinct attribution. But um, the way it was told to me uh, was it was credited as an ancient Native American saying that there can only be, you can only have so much good luck before bad luck comes back around. And you can only have so much bad luck before good luck comes back around. And, you know, that's something I would usually tell people who are experiencing a lot of bad luck. Uh, and they probably, who knows if they wanted to hear it or not. I, when I'm in the midst of a swing of bad luck, I'm not exactly like, you know, pined, pining for people to tell me how great everything's going to be. Um, but, you know, every once in a while, uh, a saying like that will resonate with me. Um, Okay, let's see. Oh, there's an attention exclamation part here. To transcend the swing of the pendulum. Okay, so maybe the bad luck doesn't have to come back around. Let's find out. You must become aware of the subtle start of the backward movement. 
uh, in any of your endeavors, whether it be to improve your health, finances, you know, your work situation, your relationships, anything. When you feel uh, that you start to draw back, do not become fearful. Uh, instead, uh, know that you are one with the omnipotent universal mind. And when it comes to the universal uh, universal mind, nothing is beyond the scope of possibility. So uh, just keep your thoughts focused on the positive outcome. Um, and even if you fail, you can find comfort uh, that by virtue of this very same law, the upward motion must start again. So, uh, yeah, just uh, this goes back to the manifestation thing. The germination period may take a little bit longer than, you, than you'd like, but you will get there. And it is true, in my experience, from reading The War of Art by Stephen Pressfield, that once you decide to do something and you start doing it, even though it seems so difficult to get started, just to start, the universe will throw its energy behind you. And that's when you have to face the resistance, okay? And I think that ties in here. Maybe the backwards motion is going to be the resistance trying to push you back. Not that there's this evil, nefarious force in the universe trying to stop you from writing the next great American novel or even, you know, get into your woodworking or something like that. But we, this is the thing, this is, you know, this is the thing that gets me sometimes. Why, why is the bad stuff so much easier to do? Gosh, I mean, if I could answer that, I would be sleeping on top a bed of gold bars and $100 bills. Why is the, if you could figure out a way to make the good stuff, easy to do. Ooh, you would be so rich. Number six, the law of cause and effect. Every cause has its effect. Every effect has its cause. I think we are very, very aware of the law of cause and effect. Every one of your thoughts, words, or actions sets a specific effect in motion. And that effect will materialize over the course of time. Uh, that course of time, of course, um, is, uh, you know, going to vary. The course of time, of course, it reminds me of Mr. Ed. They call me Mr. Ed. That's Mr. Ed's law. Because he's a horse, of course, of course. And if he was a horse, of course, of course. Okay, it's something like that. Okay, this is interesting. The law, oh, this is interesting. The law of gender. Gender is in everything. Everything has its masculine and feminine principles. This mutable universal law is evident throughout creation in the so-called opposite sexes, uh, found not only in human beings, but also in plants, minerals, electrons, magnetic poles, and so on. Everything and everyone contains both masculine and feminine elements. Uh, let's get Kinsey on the phone. We can talk about that. Oh, I guess that's sexual attraction. Um, know that within every woman lie all the the latent qualities of a man, and with every man, those of a woman. Inside every man, or, okay, let me, let me start this over. Inside every great man is a great woman. And inside every great woman is a great man. Well, that one's a little harder to believe. <laughs> okay, so there are the seven universal laws of the universe explained uh, by mind your reality. Now, this isn't exactly, um, you know, scientificamerica.com, you might be saying. And the, the law of relativity, 
uh, is comes up in, in many of these uh, lists, uh, depending on where you find. There's another website that's got the seven divine laws, okay, of esoteric wisdom, and they only listed six of them, which I thought was interesting. So maybe the seventh one is, in fact, hidden, uh, and maybe it's, in, maybe it's inside of us, and we have to look inside ourselves. Um, but I do... I do love the concept of, of this ancient wisdom being inside of us and then also helping us guide through each new phase of our existence, almost as if we were Russian nesting dolls trying to evolve into the tiniest, purest form, the essence of unconditional love or of truth or of understanding. And then only then we will be unbreakable and we could not be divided because we are just one condensed piece little doll of true love. Well, that's pretty cool to think about. Um, we can get into esoteric symbolism um, uh, here a little bit. I, I mean, whether you want to talk about the dollar or you want to talk about uh, the Freemasons or you want to talk about the, uh, the pyramid on the Illuminati, um, a lot of this, I mean, also kind of got, got, got into a little bit of alchemy, which I thought was interesting because all is a divine prefix. Um, and Kem apparently is an ancient name for Egypt. So, because uh, you have Elohim, you have Allah, uh, you have alchemy, which, I mean, there's, there's so much going on here that I guess it would be silly to think that there isn't some kind of hidden, uh, not that it's being hidden on purpose from you necessarily, but some kind of hidden truth and some kind of hidden system here, or what they call a legend, uh, which is a way to decipher a map. And if you can find that legend, which I believe uh, just might be within the confines of studying the uh, ancient uh, wisdom or the Western esotericism, maybe you can find yourself on the path to finding contentment in, in this modern-day life and what is now modern and, and what in the future will also be ancient. There's much talk about great masters coming in periods of, of, of great distress and spreading almost like a mushroom because by the time you see the mushroom, it's too late to get rid of the mushrooms because they, they've got these microscopic spores that spread through wind and through all kinds of, of ways. So by the time the mushroom a arrives, it's already, it's already been done. It's already spread its spores, and it's too late, and you will not be able to stop. Uh, and then, who knows, it could be years later when those spores germinate and turn into their own mushroom colony. So, think of it that way. Um, if you see mushrooms in your yard, just kind of be like, "Well, what's done is done." Maybe you can, maybe you can take some, make, take some solace in that. Um, Esoteric-philosophy.net, uh, a collection uh, of information about uh, ageless wisdom teachings. Uh, interesting stuff about, you know, just uh, defining the word spiritual in general. Uh, it's got a great quote uh, by, by someone whose name I'm going to try to nail it on the first time. In regards to spiritual, all activity which drives the human being forward 
towards some form of development, physical, emotional, intuitional, social, if it is in advance of his present state, is essentially spiritual in nature. Master Dijual Kuhl. Uh, by this definition, every word, thought, and action is potentially spiritual and capable of improving the human condition. From very ancient times, a body of spiritual teaching known as the ageless wisdom or esoteric philosophy has been passed from generation to generation, usually by word of mouth, from teacher to pupil. It has been the wellspring for the arts and sciences of countless civilizations. It is also the common foundation of all the world's religions. So... How are you going to get in there? Are you going to get in there? Are you going to go down the rabbit hole of esotericism? Are you going to try to find these ancient teachings? Now, the gist of it, uh, as far as I can understand, is, you know, the golden rule comes up, you know, uh, be good to others the way you want to be treated. You should. That's how you should be treating others. There's, there's, there's a conflict here. Because from what I understand, a lot of this esoteric wisdom is, you know, like you said, the foundation, or like they say here, the foundation of modern religion, sciences, things like that, art. So I guess why is it so heavily tied into the concept of the people, the nefarious ones, the nefarious they? who control everything. If they have this knowledge, it seems to directly contradict their actions. Their actions as theorized by people. Or is it that having this knowledge doesn't necessarily mean acceptance of its basic principles, but contrary to that means you just know the truth now you've got the truth now you can do whatever you want with it you can either use it to help people or you can use it to control them now i guess depending on who you are you will say uh, some people are doing that and some people are doing the other now there clearly are people of a of a higher degree of whether you want to call it self-actualization or evolution of their consciousness who have devoted their lives in such a selfless way to helping everyone, the poor, the downtrodden, the, the persecuted. And then there are people who don't really care about that at all. And they're all, all they're worried about is stacking bills. And maybe if alchemy is in fact, um, you know, an offshoot of all of this, or it's under the umbrella of esoteric wisdom, and there is in fact a way to keep yourself alive past what most people think is possible, Maybe these people are stuck in this cycle of the physical realm, of physical pleasure and things like that. And maybe, maybe that's their path until they eventually will die and then manifest in another form. And then, I don't know, I'm just kind of, you know, shooting off the top of my head here. But you can look for esoteric symbolism everywhere. And I think if you... Um, if you're really interested in it, um, you can get to some basics here. You've got, uh, think sacred geometry, okay? Because um, there's hidden meaning, apparently, inside of the esoteric symbolism. Uh, whether you want to talk about the Matrix film, um, 
you you can get into all kinds of stuff. You can get into Leonardo da Vinci's artwork, um, the famous painting of the Last Supper. I've seen it depicted as an astrological chart, essentially, um, which is interesting. I mean, because you do have the twelve disciples, and then you have Jesus, the Son of God. So it is interesting when you get into this, and you can allegedly decode all of these symbolisms. Are we giving too much credit to certain artists? Um, for the hidden meanings in their works. I'm not sure we are, but I'm not sure we aren't. Now, when I was in college many years ago, I would write something, and one time it was very uh, religiously bent uh, about a man, this is how long ago it was, about a, a young man who was uh, put an ad in the classifieds of his newspaper to auction off his soul, and only two people showed up, a uh, 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 the devil and a, a young kid, uh, like a real young kid who was like a skateboarding kid. And the skateboarding kid didn't have much money and he bid a very low amount. Or no, before he could even bid the low amount, the devil bid first, which was a you know like a penny over what the kid had in his pocket. So the kid was like, how'd you know that that was a penny? That was a penny more than I've got. And the devil said, well, yeah, I'm the devil. Do you think I'm, I'm not going to know that? Anyway... Long short of it is that, uh, so the devil got his soul, and uh, the kid left, and then uh, the things weren't happening that the guy wanted to happen. Like, hey, I, you know, you got my soul. I'm supposed to get everything I want. And the devil shows back up, and he's like, hey, um, you got to at least put effort forth. You can't make it look, you at least make it look, make an appearance, okay? Uh, because if you don't at least make appearances, quote unquote, it'll be very obvious that I'm the one who's doing this. And uh, the uh, the example was, all you have to do is get off your couch and open your door. And he opens the door, and there's two beautiful young women waiting for him. Just They've been sitting on his porch just waiting for him. And so that's when he's like, oh, I, okay, I get it. And then, anyway, he goes to the liquor store, buys some booze later, and the, kid, the, the skateboarding kid shows back up um, because he said he lost his watch. And so then they, they start crawling around the apartment looking for his watch. Anyway... The people in the classroom started, uh, my peers, uh, started assigning meaning to certain things, like the value of like a bottle of whiskey he bought at the store, uh, which I didn't realize. I guess I'd use the number seven in the price. And like, oh, yeah, you know, clearly he was, you know, trying to find his redemption in this bottle because seven is like the heavenly number. And I was just like, oh, yeah, that's cool. <laughs> hey, I'm not going to not take credit for... Uh, for having all this kind of meaning. So the point is, you just never really know if the artist, in fact, intended for this much this much layered esoteric wisdom to be hidden inside of their artwork. Um, but you can definitely find it. All you have to do is uh, you can do a Google image search of esoteric symbolism, and uh, you'll find it pretty quickly. Uh, you've got all kinds of sacred geometry. You've got triangles. You've got you know, whether it's the Illuminati, you've got the, uh, you know, the third eye, um, you know, a lot of Eastern philosophical images will show up. It's a lot of astral uh, design. Uh, when it comes to the sacred geometry aspect of things, uh, it's all very, very fascinating. It turns out my neighbor, I have a neighbor who's a Mason, and I just found that out a couple of days ago. We were sitting outside, and I asked him if he uh, arranged his apartment and do uh, with, within the guidelines of sacred geometry, and he just laughed. Just laughed at me, so I, I guess that's I guess that's a no. Uh, but we'll I guess we'll never I guess we'll never know unless I go in there and, tr and just measure everything. And uh, I, I don't think he's going to let me in there to do that because I don't really know him that well. So anyway, 
I hope this was somewhat enlightening at all. I, you know, I've been talking here for 45 minutes, and I'm not even quite sure I really got to anything. And you know, maybe that is the nature of such things. Uh, you know, maybe I am, in fact, part of the problem, and I am, you know, acting like I'm giving you information, but in fact, I'm, I'm deceiving you and hiding it from you because I have been tapped or initiated into the society of the secret knowledge. Now, wouldn't that be something? A guy who can't keep his mouth shut about all of his deepest, darkest secrets um, on the Internet or, you know, on stage uh, being initiated into a secret society. How long would that last before I got, you know, taken care of? That would be, uh, you know, I don't want to know the answer to that. You don't have to, like, email me and be like, uh, you know, you need to stop talking. Uh, rest assured, I am not a member of a secret society other than the secret society of uh, stand-up comedians. Uh, you know, actually, am I a member of it? No, I am not. I was a, I was a fraternity. I was, that's why I was having a pause, which I partook in rituals. I'll talk about that later, maybe sometime. You know, wearing robes and stuff. Not hoods. Not hoods. Robes and reading a bunch of old stuff from books that I didn't understand. I think basically that's what modern-day fraternities are, like reading all these rituals. Maybe some of them are, you know, skull and buns, I'm sure, or take it a little more seriously. We've got an open mind line today that, I've, that I'll have recorded probably by the time you listen to this. I did not I did not promote it at all, and so maybe it's just going to be me and my buddy Kate Macias just chatting, uh, staring at a, a phone that never rings. I... I I need to get better at that. So, uh, me and ParanormalU.com, RyanSingerComedy.com. I'll be in Arch City Comedy Festival in Columbus, Ohio, the 26th and 27th of this month. Um, ArchCityComedyFestival.com, I believe, should be the website. Check that out for tickets. I'll be doing a live recording of me and ParanormalU with Jim Harold, host of the Paranormal Podcast and many others. You may know him from his Campfire series where people call in and uh, tell true stories of ghosts and things like that. Uh, what else is happening? Um, I'm on Instagram, Rising, R-Y-S-I-N-G. And, you know, and I'm on Snapchat, too. But don't worry about following me. I mean, there's this bee filter where it changes your voice and makes you look like a bee. And I've just, I, I, in the last week or so, I did fall into, like, an addiction to it. So there, if you're interested in seeing the teenage, the video diary of a teenage worker bee, check out Instagram and start with the first one. And you can see this poor guy. He might be... Uh, He's going through some stuff, it turns out. Everything seemed pretty good at first, but then it seems like he's really going through something. So, uh, you know, trying to break free from the hive mind, you know. And what are the implications of that? I think we all have to ask ourselves that from time to time. So, in this journey on trying to find more esoteric wisdom, I hope you'll join me, you know. Send me some uh, recommendations for things that maybe should have their own third-year bonus. There's so much stuff here that I'm sure I'll find some other stuff to get into. Uh, This was kind of just a brief general overview of it um, because I know the word esoteric uh, wisdom, ancient wisdom, esotericism is thrown around a lot, and I wanted to basically cover it so we had a general understanding of it before our talk, uh, before the interview comes out this Friday with Ralph White, which I'm very excited to be sharing with you. And I got a great interview coming up. Hopefully, um, I don't believe in jinxes. Uh, ben Mesrich, he is the author of, um, he was the author of what, what 21? Uh, well, his book uh, was, the movie The Social Network was based on, on one of his books as well. And so was Bringing Down the House, so, or the movie 21. So uh, that's going to be fun. He's got this new book out, dude. Oh, 
that interview is going to be ridiculous. So, okay, uh, we'll chat soon. Other great interviews coming up, cryptids, all kinds of fun stuff. Thank you again for listening. 818-839-0593. That's the mind line. I'm going to go through a bunch of voicemails tomorrow uh, and hopefully take some live calls as well. So, yeah, that's going to do it. That's going to do it. And I hope to see you out there on the road. I'll be in Atlanta in September, September 11th through the 14th or 13th or something or 9th through the whatever the dates are it's that second weekend in september i'll be at the laughing skull lounge in atlanta georgia i love atlanta so hopefully if you live in that area you can come out and see me and then i'll be in paducah kentucky then i'll be in uh, oh gosh i'll be down just outside of muscle shoals uh alabama uh, after that, got some great gigs with uh, Johnny. I'm doing a, gi- a gig with Johnny Rotten Cash. Oh, man. Are we going to have a rowdy fun time? So, yeah. Check out my stand-up if you're interested in stand-up comedy. It's all at uh, ryansierandcomedy.com. I got out. You know what? Feel free to rate and review the Mindcast on iTunes if you don't mind. I mean, it'd be, you know, we're free. We've been free for two and a half years. You know, maybe throw a, throw a review bone my way. Uh, you know, if you like the Mindcast, you know, write, write a nice little thing about it. That'd be great. Um, you know, it, it helps more people discover it. The higher it is, it's ranked, I guess, in, in uh, the natural sciences. Although I'm thinking of switching it over to comedy. It should probably stay where it is. Let me know what you think about that. And if I don't see you on the road, I'll see you at the watering hole on the astral plane. This experience was mixed by Alex Stein. Check out his podcast at thealexsteinpodcast.com.